Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. How's your trip, Noah? Oh, uh, it was good. Everything went all right. Yeah, I know. I was sitting at work one time, and I'm like, oh, look, there's Noah walking on the fucking beach. What a piece of shit. <laughs> Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> no, it was not. I was cursing your name, hoping you had a flight delay or something on the way home just to make up for it. This is what happens when you get to go on vacation and others do not. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I was visiting my dad because he's unwell. Ha-ha! <laughs> Jesus, Brian, that was dark. <laughs> no, that sucks. That's no, all right. I'm never going to be able to afford to go on vacation ever again. So, nah, that's not true. Jesus Christ, that is true. You have to pick like a good fraud and give it the fraud. Apparently, it leads to having money. Jesus, we'll start hitting up some of those spammer guys on Facebook. Yeah. Like, hey, man, let me in. <laughs> Nigerian prince, where art thou? <laughs> you just go on like like TikTok or whatever. Every like fucking uh, third reel will be the. Uh, a new way to make passive income without having to put any time or money into it. Cause it's oh, super easy to do that. Apparently. Yeah. People don't know. It's like super easy to make tons of money by doing no work with no investment. But for some reason, all the only people that know about it are people on like TikTok. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like 50% of them are doing that. And the other 50% are living in a van. So that's as far as yeah. I can tell, that's Being all my- the internet for now. Me and my dad were joking about that because he watches a lot of those home renovation shows, yeah. and it's always the, oh, I design, uh, what is it? I I design houses for cats, and I'm a yoga therapist. Our budget for this house renovation is three point five million dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's always like 
I, I, I tried to watch one once because it was like it was people who were moving to like luxurious places like they'd be moving to puerto rico or something and like and so i'd be like oh that's interesting to watch them go house hunting in those places because i don't get to see those houses very often but i couldn't do it because it was always people who claimed to have normal jobs but could somehow afford to just quit and move there he's a volunteer fireman and i sell my knitting on etsy our budget is half a million dollars it's like that's not true and then they always find one that's like this one's a little out of your price range Meaning, like, it's like a million dollars over, and that's the one they end up picking. I'm like, how? How? How in this fucking world? Well, there's a lot of them. There was one where they were like, the budget for this renovation is $20,000, and they're literally, like, gutting and completely redoing a small house. And I was like, I could not put in new windows in my house for $20,000. Could not. Well, it's all, a lot of that is like estimated costs and stuff too. It's ridiculous. It's like when you watch the the storage show and they're like, "Oh, we opened this locker and we found six point three million dollars worth of stuff inside." We think, but we're not going to actually show you us selling it for that. We're just going to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed your beach time. That was good. I mean, we only went to the beach once. Doesn't matter. I love the beach. I should you, live, what you I should, should be, live on the beach. What you should be way more jealous of, because it's my favorite part of going to Florida, is playing putt-putt golf. Because I fucking love mini-golf. Yeah, I could take or leave mini-golf. No, really? See, that's like, I don't know, there's something about just going and playing, like, putt-putt at one of the nice putt-putt places that's just so freaking cool. I was more jealous of your trip to the arcade, I think. Uh, That arcade was pretty cool. It's no galloping ghost, that's for sure. Yeah, was it uh, was it free to play or is it? Coins? Yeah, you like you buy a a wristband to get in, and then the one edge that it has over the ghost is they have like a full bar and um, nice and food. Although the food wasn't super impressive, it's called Arcade Monster, mm-hmm. uh, and they they had a one room with some older. Uh, older cabinets in it and stuff like they had the old 90s spider-man cabinet and that kind of stuff but for the most part it was newer machines and a lot of the freaking japanese machines so they had uh god damn it what's what's it called guitar i think that's i think that's it's basically the japanese version of guitar hero and then there's like a one of those for drums and then one of those is like dj mixing Mm mm-hmm had like all those machines so i was dicking around with those they had a lot of new arcade machines that i had never played before which was kind of wild um have you ever seen the one where you gotta like bang on the table and like flip it over at the right time no no i don't think so that sounds like, cool though we had it at uh round one here in in, in town before that closed this summer um wes was you know because wes is the big video game guy he was the one who was like excited to check it out. And basically it's just like, it's essentially like half a table because it sticks out from the machine. And then you have to like bang on it. Like I want dinner or whatever the purpose of it is. And then at the perfect time you like flip it and like it flips up. And I, I don't know what like the point of it was, but he was really excited about it. <laughs> and I watched him play it a couple times and I was like, all right, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get it. So some of those, 
the those interactive I don't, I don't even know what the fuck they'd be called like they've, there's got to be a name for it but those physically interactive japanese video game machines there is something really appealing about them that you start doing it and you're like, oh, I kind of get why this is so fucking interesting. Oh, yeah. I didn't even get two seconds into type in Japanese arcade game and table flip popped up. Let's see if I can find a good picture of it. There was one that took me fucking forever to figure out how the game even fucking worked because there was no English mode whatsoever. So all of the instructions were in Japanese and I was like, uh... <laughs> What what am I doing? <laughs> and it's kind of well, it's kind of like you're playing a uh, one of those big Chinese drums. And a couple of the symbols, I kept like hitting the drum at the right time, and it would say I was failed. And I was like, I don't get it. I'm hitting it at the right time. Am I supposed to just do one hand, or maybe I'm supposed to do it softer or harder or something? And then finally, I figured out it's rim shots. You have to like hit the sides of the drum instead of the top of the drum. <laughs> it's kind of wild. I don't think I can post pictures in this chat. Oh, well, you guys get the idea. But besides that, it was about uh, 90 degrees the entire time we were there. Yeah, it was super nice here all week, so we missed out. Yeah. I did somehow, we went out on an airboat ride, and somehow only the tops of my knees got sunburned. (laughs) Like, specifically, just that one spot of my entire body. And so I have... Like after we get off here, I'll see if I can take a picture of it because I'm wearing pants, so you can't see it. But like, I have a hard, a weird farmer tan, perfect line across both my legs. <laughs> it's like, man, those knees look really sore. I can't figure it out. That's really funny. I like that. Well, the air that I'll tell you what the airboat ride was pretty fun. I've never done that before. Yeah, those are fun. Is it the one with like the giant fan and shit on the back of it? Yeah, yeah, the great big fan, and it can like yeah. skid across land and stuff too. Nice. See any alligators while you're there? Yeah, yeah, that's what the airboat ride was. Going to see nice. alligators. I don't think I've ever seen alligators when I've been there. Well, it was pretty crazy. So three or four of them that we saw, you know, it was just like your typical thing where he goes, "Hey, look, there's an alligator," and you look over, and all you can see is like its head, and then it slowly sinks under the surface because it sees you. But one, we came around this corner and there was a great big alligator swimming right in front of us. And I know in general, if I was on land, an alligator would look scary and I'd be like, oh my God, it's going to kill me. And instead, we came around this bend in this tall grass in this airboat and this alligator saw us and it was like, oh shit. (laughs) And like it took off trying to run, doing that weird lizard waddle that they do, you know, where the front half of their body twists as they run. It's just doing everything it can to get out of the way of the fucking boat, but it's but it's going in a straight line instead of off to the side. And the tour guide even was like, "Huh? <laughs> they usually just go under." I don't know what that one's doing. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I've been to Florida a couple times and then New Orleans a couple times. Still never seen an alligator. Yeah, if you go on a tour where they promise to see alligators, it's not that hard to. Well, sure, if you're, if you're going to promise seen, to see one. I've seen alligators in New Orleans and in Florida. New Orleans, I accidentally did the same tour that they use in uh, what's that movie. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. I was like getting on, and I'm like, this seems familiar. And the guy's like, yeah, they film movies here sometimes. I'm like, oh, what ones? He's like, oh, you know, the Hatchet movies? He's like, you ever heard of those? I'm like, yes, you're, you're talking to the right person here. <laughs> of everyone on Sir? this boat, like, 
I, I guarantee you I'm the most likely to have seen that. It's just... Sir, you don't know, but you just hit the horror jackpot. <laughs> You're going to be sick of me by acknowledging that you knew about those movies. <laughs> <sighs> Is that where Victor Crowley killed a bunch of people? I don't know. I just heard they filmed it. All right, calm down. Hmm. It's like they just told me it's my job to tell people they filmed that here. That's it. <laughs> It'll also be my job to point at alligators and say, hey, look later. Um, it'd be great if you go on a tour... But then you could go back in time and see them filming Hatchet. Why time time travel? They won't invent that for like six hundred more years. Yeah, but when they do, we can come back. I don't know, guys. I'm a little I'm a little worried we would do that, and I would come face to face with Klaus Kinski. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that, that is a fair uh, a fair uh, uh, phobia to have. It's that's a reasonable phobia, no matter where you are or what you're doing. Let's be honest, but specifically with time travel, <laughs> I'm I'm just saying. Could you fucking imagine at any point in your life just coming around a corner, and fucking Glaskinski is just standing there staring at you, dead-eyed with his fish mouth. <laughs> well, especially this fucking Glaskinski that's just dressed like a uh, Doc Brown from <laughs> Back to the Future Three, like. <laughs> Quit cosplaying like a movie from the future. It's creepy. I don't like it. Um, Noah, why don't you give us the rundown of Time Stalkers? Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, time You're going to say that no matter which one I told you to do, to do, so it doesn't matter. This is a TV movie that is about a, a guy. It starts with his wife and his kid die in a car accident in front of him. Uh, it's a pretty he, good accident, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the best part of the whole movie, to be 100% honest. <laughs> that, that small child burning to death in that car is really the highlight of the movie. Uh, and then he, I don't know, he gets obsessed with shooting in his backyard for some goddamn reason that they, they like, his... point out, but never justify why that's what but, he got obsessed okay. with. Well, no, no, okay, you're, you're, were you not watching the movie? His kid would make him play like cowboys all the time. So when his kid died, he became obsessed with the old West and he practices his shooting and he collects old artifacts and all that kind of stuff. It's all direct. It's all a direct result of his kid dying. No. Oh, you know what? You know what, Doug, you just mildly improved this movie for me. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't catch that either. How did you guys not, the opening scene of the movie is him and his kid shooting at each other with toy guns. And yeah, I get it. No, no. Once you've pointed that out, (laughs) <laughs> a light bulb went off and i'm like oh shit he's right wow yeah thank you thank you i really i'll, I'll be honest i missed that subtext completely but yeah. this movie was so fucking bad i would have assumed that they wouldn't have thought that deeply about anything uh so fair statement yeah so he is a history professor um he goes to an auction with his friend cliff from cheers mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, Does anybody else like to think that that's just Cliff? Because <laughs> he's so weird and awkward that you're like, yeah, he's just Cliff. That's just Cliff when he was in the military yeah. before he moved to Boston. Yeah, he gets out, becomes a postman. Yeah. Then he becomes an electrician and adventurer. <laughs> so, yeah. So they're at this auction, and as they're showing Old West items, they're doing one of the one of the weirdest fucking screen wipes I've ever seen in my entire life. This kind of like fucking shitty pre CGI 
drawn on film firecrackers going off to show them i, I don't know exploding a, through time it's a bad it's a bad screen wipe yeah it's like someone saw the mission impossible opening and was like oh what if we did something like that but then did it really shitty yeah uh and all these flashbacks to the old west are uh klaus klaus kinski who clearly doesn't belong there at all uh talking with his fucking thick ass accent which i at least i appreciate the fact that every person he comes across is like the fuck's up with your accent dude the- <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's doing a terrible job blending in yeah. they're like where are you from uh, this is the old uh, west and why are you talking with your thick modern german accent it is weird uh he's searching for a guy with two very particular guns with stars on their hilts Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out he is a future scientist from 25 something whatcha whatcha uh, yeah who uh, helps to invent the quantum leap time machine <laughs> uh, theorizing and, one could time travel within their own lifetime yeah and then the, I did, this whole fucking thing is weird because that scene's awkward too, where they're like, "No, we invented this time machine not to use it," and he's like, "No, we must go back and do things." <laughs> and they're like, "No, that's a bad idea," and he's like, "But we built a time machine. Let us go back and do things." And they're like, "To be, to be fair, the, to be fair, the other guy was like, let 'Let's build it,' and then he realized, like, oh shit." My partner is Klaus Kinski. This can only lead to ruin. <laughs> oh, shit. So, so that he's like, we must never use it. Fuck. I forgot it was Klaus this whole time. Uh, yeah. So that doesn't work out. Uh, so Klaus goes back in time for shenanigans. Then there's another time traveler who's a time traveling, I don't know, cop lady investigator person. Time by Laura Hutton. Yeah. Time, time cop time cop but not chunk claude van damme you're making it sound like this movie is hard to follow it's it's really not it's a really very simple it's following it's a made for tv movie and it really feels that way Uh, but she comes back they become friends and perhaps more and then have to figure out what klaus kinski is doing in the past while occasionally traveling back to the past but instead of going further back to before because that's what time travel's used for. Instead they're going back to the exact time, which makes it weirdly more complicated than going directly before or directly after the events for some reason. Well they have to travel to the exact time in order to stop the close Klinsky character from doing exactly what he's doing at that moment. Yeah, but they're but they're trying to figure out what it is that he's doing. So they could just go directly after that and find out exactly what he did and then go back in time and stop it. Well, they don't know because it's time travel. He did it. it. But but they but they do know because <laughs> they because they go back to exactly when he was. That, that's the whole thing. They do the whole investigation the whole time. I think I think you're I honestly I think you're being really unfair to this movie. <laughs> wow. You're creating a scenario where I'm defending this like made for TV movie. Okay. Anyways, but, uh, <laughs> it turns out Klaus Kinski is trying to kill the guy who saved uh, <laughs> President Grover Cleveland? Or is that, yeah, is that who, so, yes. It's like a to Grover Cleveland. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was trying to kill the guy who saved them because one of the people in the retinue is this lady's great, great, great grandfather, and therefore he would die in the raid and she would never exist. It's a John Connor situation. Go but back and, go back but they, the ancestor to prevent the future people from existing. Right. But they also seem to be acknowledging the butterfly effect thing, which if he had succeeded, then fucking the president of the United States would have also been assassinated in the middle of nowhere. See, I I think there is a valid flaw here in the film where it is. I don't know if there's a butterfly effect scenario. Like it's not really clear what happens if you make changes in the past, like how much it changes the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, by the end, by the end. Yeah. By the end, it feels like it's the whole, everything worked out exactly the way it was supposed to, to begin with. Yeah. So it's kind yes. of the time is a flat but, circle or whatever. Yeah, it's so it's it's not very well explored within the film, but the idea of like okay, so they, the idea was that Close Klinsky goes back, kills the guy that saved everyone, and therefore, therefore, this ancestor of this woman dies, and her father is never born, and that's who he was rivaling with in the future or whatever. But he still killed that guy. So there's still going to be this huge ripple effect through future from that guy dying, right? Just because it's not her family that's directly affected. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, yeah. and, there's, there's a bunch of that. Well, and then at the end, they they do the whole stupid fucking time travel happy ending bullshit where I guess the woman sends him back to just before his family died so that he can save them. But, but, in, but if he his, but if he yeah. saved them, he would have never become obsessed with the old west. He would have never learned to yeah. shoot. Blah 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 blah. But yeah. that's I mean that's the time travel paradox that exists in every time travel movie. Yeah, right. It, it's it's the reason why time travel is the worst science fiction. <laughs> well, it's it depends if you enjoy that, like because I've always enjoyed like Terminator, for example, where the the paradox is the point of the movie, right? Like the, yeah, I don't know. Well, but Terminator does it pretty well. At yeah. least the first couple. And this is a made-for-TV, family-friendly, Terminator-esque story three years after Terminator came out. Like, it's that's what they're doing. <laughs> Klaus Kinski is the Terminator? <laughs> Kinda. I'll be back. Come with me if you want to live into this dark shed in your backyard. <laughs> Uh no no thank you Klaus Kinsey I'll die. You could just say that about him at any point in his life I think. Yeah. Did you guys uh pick up on the fact that Quentin Tarantino is a fan of this movie though? No, but I'm not surprised because he's a dick, dickhead I, who I, likes weird ass movies. I didn't read this anywhere. I'm just going with the fact that Klinsky as like this weird bounty hunter walking through the old west with that big thick german accent <laughs> I'm oh, like, Wait a yeah but then did you guys check the director's name of this movie it's like no. his name is like schultz which is the name of the character in oh. Django. so i it's maybe i'm inventing a conspiracy theory here but i think this movie influenced that movie you're probably not wrong i mean i 
Were there any uh, shots that lingered on feet in this movie? Because that would explain. <laughs> Not that I recall, but I was watching a YouTube version of it. So it's a YouTube version that was recorded off a TV channel I've never heard of. So I probably it might have not been the best edit. I don't know. I'm super surprised how negative you guys are on this movie. I have to say I kind of enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. Mm. I I liked I liked the plot of like his kid dies and therefore his he learns all this he learns gets into the old west and therefore he discovers that Klinsky was in he was using like the wrong gun at the wrong time. I enjoyed all that stuff. I liked the fact that like then he wrote his like dissertation on why time travel might be real and then eventually that lady comes back from 600 years in the future and she's like yeah that was the start of us discovering time travel it took hundreds of years after you wrote this paper but that paper was what led to it and we still read that in our times i loved all that stuff i thought that was really fun in like a made for tv saturday afternoon movie kind of way i enjoyed it and like oh yeah because he became obsessed with the old west now he gets to go be in a shootout the ending was like like i thought it would have been better a better ending would have been if he died in the shootout at the end and it turns out that that song that they were singing about the guy was about him that would have been a better ending to the movie but it's a made for tv movie from 1987 so that's probably not going to happen mm, yeah. like, like that would have been a much more fun way to kind of close off the loop yeah sort of a weird 12 monkeys sort of situation yeah yeah but but yeah I, like definitely when they're doing like their investigation it's very batman 66 where they like Oh, just kind of like turn to the camera and it's like, well, wait a minute. I know a guy who keeps track of all the old songs from the West and the old songs from the West were kind of like their history books. That's how they pass their stories down. <laughs> they just, then they go yeah. to this guy. And he's, I'll be honest during some of that stuff. I think I fell asleep for a good 10 minutes. It's, I mean, it's not particularly well. That investigation stuff is not particularly well done. I got a little bit of joy out of watching him when he goes to like, um, when he, th- when he thinks he's discovered that this gun in this picture is incorrect, and he's like, I need to zoom in on this picture. <laughs> Luckily, I know somebody who works at the military base, so we have access to government technology that will allow us to zoom in really closely on this picture. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Enhance. I was like laughing my ass. Yeah, say, the only thing that would have been better is if you told him to enhance every time. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny. And I'm just sitting there kind of going like, we do that with two fingers on our phones now, but that's funny. That's good. You go and get Cliff Clavin to do it on his big government technology computer. <laughs> I like that. Then he goes back to the college and tries to teach it to his students and his students are like, this is bullshit. I got stuff to do. And they all just leave. What guy leaves class in the middle of lecture. He's like, if you're done, I got other classes to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that scene quite a bit. But I mean, that, that like the character arcs all there of like, he goes down this rabbit hole and gets, it gets convinced time travel's real no one believes him then it turns out he him doing that is like feeding into the time travel it's another time travel paradox where if he had never written that paper time travel wouldn't exist and then Klinsky couldn't have gone back and then he never would have had his picture taken and then this guy never would have seen the picture and never would have written the paper it's you know I, I, I enjoyed all that stuff that's what to me sometimes that's what time travel movies are fun is like when they don't make any sense and they kind of acknowledge that inherently in the logic of the film yeah, I do like time travel shenanigans, but I don't know, man. I felt like this one was just so boring. Yeah, there's lots of like, hey, we need to figure out this, and then they spend like 20 minutes. That's, like, th- those are the worst parts of the movie is when they're figuring it out. Yeah, but you know, the movie's an hour and a half long. 
So that's why time cops good. They're just like, hey, there's a time infraction at this point. Go. And then they go. Same matter, same space. Yeah, see? Yeah, I don't know. Didn't do anything for me, wow. unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Just, a, just a new fear that Klaus Kinski is capable <laughs> of time travel. <laughs> He's, he's so funny because dude because he's just like every time somebody enters the room and they're like you're acting a little strange and then he shoots them and it's like what did you think was gonna happen <laughs> fucking Klinsky man that's what he does murders yeah. uh, like like frankly we should be glad this is made for TV movie because he didn't eat any of the bodies so <laughs> and somehow he's like a crack shot with like a old timey revolver that was a little weird he's like diving out of the way and shooting at cops and Hitting him with one bullet and stuff. Well, that's not an old timey revolver. His revolver was built in 1980. The movie's in 86. So. Yeah, but he's from the year 25, whatever. To him, it's really old timey. That's true, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyone else think, like, when he was putting on his, like, trench coat and he kept, like, buttoning up just the top button of it? And you're like, I guarantee you, like, the director was like, no, just button up the coat like a normal human being would. And he's like, yeah. And he buttons up just the top button. And they're like, no, like a regular human being buttons a coat. Like, if you're only going to do one, do it somewhere in the middle. I don't, like, and he's like, no, this is how you, and they're just like, eventually just like, fuck it. This is as close to normal as Klaus Kinski knows how to be. In his defense, when the chick goes back in time, for some reason, her costume, she's dressed like a fucking... Civil War drummer boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that makes so sense. Uh, I mean, it's like whenever they were filming this movie, they were like, they went to like a an eighteen hundreds reenactment camp, and they were like, "Hey, we're shooting this movie. Can we borrow some of your stuff?" And they were like, "Ew, is that Klaus Kinski? No, <laughs> <laughs> you can use the Lost and Found. It's over there." But they're like, "But come on, we got Uncle Phil as the blacksmith." I think that was that that was the second highlight of the movie. First, son burning to death in a car. Second, Uncle Uncle Phil is the random blacksmith guy. Honestly, that was like the way they kept going. Every time like a new person went back in time, they would just stumble across the same blacksmith and ask him for directions and he always knew where to send them. I, for some reason I enjoyed that. It was really cheesy and like I would definitely be critical of that in a different movie. But it was so fun that every time they're just like, hey, Uncle Phil, do you know how to find this river? And he's like, yeah, you just go over here. And, you, <laughs> and he's like, you're going that way. Maybe you need to buy some new horseshoes. He's still trying to do his job the whole time. He's just like, damn it, Will. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wrong show. <laughs> and he's like, I'll get those turtles. He played Shredder. For yeah, we, know. Or we, not know. we know. Yeah? Everyone knows. Everyone listening to this knows. <laughs> what about... Um, should we mention that Terry Funk plays one of the cowboys that Oh yeah. That's, that's the whole point we did this. We yeah. did this movie. This is our we should probably bring that up. He doesn't he doesn't do much. It's just like no. two lines of dialogue. Yeah. Doesn't even get to really throw anybody around all that much. No, he doesn't even get into like a big fight scene or like a bar fight. I thought he'd get a bar fight being that it was the old west. No. Nope. He's credited as bearded cowboy. <laughs> he doesn't even really have a beard. It's just like a goatee. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the Terry Funk talk because that's about all he does. Yeah, he's in like two scenes and that's it. I found I found a clip online of like Vince McMahon interviewing in a bar and he's dressed as a cowboy and he gets mad and beats everybody up and hits them with stools and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's that's better. That's that's what this movie should have had in it. <laughs> oh, Terry Funk. How many times did that dude retire? Do you think? I don't know. That's well, that clip of him 
fighting with Vince McMahon in uh, the uh, in the bar was from like 1986, and he was doing the middle aged and crazy stint in 1986. And I'm like, if you're middle aged in 1986, how did you retire in like 2009? Like, <laughs> 2009 you're being generous i think it was in the 2010s at some point probably retired once in 2009 he retired every second week uh good lord um all right do everything else time stalkers no i i think it was a fun like saturday afternoon kind of movie cheesy yes was some of the stuff was maybe not as well thought out as we would like it to be but it was never designed for this level of discussion and i i think you guys were way too hard that i'll agree with no it's 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 a simple little tale about a guy who's grieving and his grief eventually leads him down a path that allows him to save his own family and yeah it it wasn't perfect i'm i don't but i just don't we talked about some of the the paradox problems yeah how about the very end where he's like take me with you to the future and she's like i can't I can't take you to the future. It's against the rules. But then she's like, but I can bend them. And then, yeah, does the thing where, I don't know, sends his consciousness back into his own body or whatever before his family gets killed. Yeah, it's weird. It's not really explained, but the time travel is different in the final scene than it is. Yeah. In the- so he saves his family. So now there's two people who are supposed to have died who are now running around ruining time. Well, and also I would point out that there's still several people in the Old West that are dead because of Klinsky's time travel that yeah, we, we never discuss. Like, oh, and yeah, and a couple of cops and stuff as well, right? Yeah. Never discuss the impact of any of that, but it must have an yeah, impact, yeah. one would think. Hmm. Yeah. Noah? Yeah. yeah, it's it's just, it's just so fucking boring. <laughs> I, I, I Again, I don't agree. If it was like a three-hour movie of this, I would be really upset but at an hour and a half free on youtube i'm not upset i watched this at all oh, it was on amazon prime here really yeah you know what it might be here i never checked <laughs> <laughs> you're just like there's no way this would be on amazon <laughs> i think like when we were doing the programming for the show i just googled it and it showed up as being on youtube and i'm like yeah, all right that makes sense that's where this belongs <laughs> Uh, well, Doug, since you're so much in the need for uh, some Terry Funk bar fights, even though I think Noah's the one who said it, I think you agreed with it. Um, why don't you tell us about Roadhouse? Roadhouse. Road, uh, so Patrick Swayze plays one of the best bouncers in all of America. So he gets recruited from his current job to move <laughs> to another city to be a bouncer at a bar. You know, oh, sure. no, you guys know bouncer culture where bouncers are well known <laughs> and people discuss bouncing and have bouncing teams. So he gets down there and uh, the bar's, you know, a real shithole, lots of fights going on. He starts trying to work in getting it cleaned up, but he gradually gets involved in the, the small town's business. This small town bar, by the way, that can pay him $5,000 to move there and $500 a night plus medical expenses. in 1980 whatever yeah um they're they're making that kind of money but okay um yeah so he gradually gets involved in the the town's business and runs afoul of the sort of corrupt guy that runs everything in the town and has a legalized racketeering scheme going on um and eventually that leads to them 
you know, getting into lots and lots of fights, things escalate very quickly. And eventually those, those guys are killing off anyone that's friends with Dalton. So Dalton goes in that, he starts killing them. And then just when you think he's going to lose, wouldn't you know it, the townsfolk show up and have his back. They take everybody out. And finally, the cops show up in the last scene of the movie after about 211 bar fights and several buildings being burned down. Finally, the cops are like, oh, yeah, but we should get involved. And everyone's like, no. Numerous dead bodies. No, now we can't. Now none of us know what happened. That guy that got shot four times, none of us saw anything happen. So it's all fine. And for the three people alive who have seen the McGruber TV series but have not seen the movie Roadhouse... Uh, this movie is where the throat ripping joke comes from. Oh, really? <laughs> so I have not seen the McGruber TV show. Oh my god, you guys haven't watched it. There's a, there's a part of it where he keeps talking about how he doesn't use the gun, use guns. He just rips people's throats out, and then eventually they get into a fight scene, and he just keeps doing the Patrick Swayze throat rip from that fight scene over and over and over. He kills like fifteen people by just tearing their throats out. That's super fun. I like that. That's funny. So, Brian, first time watch for you, right? First time watch. Somehow just missed it. Got it. And never, you know, sat down and was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Roadhouse tonight. You didn't have, like, people over and they were like, we need some intellectual stimulation. And you're like, oh, I luckily I own this DVD copy of Roadhouse. <laughs> I also own a digital copy of my Voodoo. So, oh. I was set. Um yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It's got its cheesy 80s, like this is a complete 80s movie like you would not believe. Oh yeah, they, this um, never could have been made at any other time. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, but, you know, you sort of laugh along with the cheesiness of it, and you're just like, why is this chick into him? He's like a loner that moves from city to, oh, that's why, because it's the 80s. Yeah. The answer to everything is because it's the 80s. Like, at one point, there's a scene in this movie, like, everything is so dumb. He goes to, like, get an apartment in this little town that he's moved to. Mm. And, you know, he walks in, and the guy's like, it's it's, it's actually a neat setup, like, for a movie. Because you can't, a guy can't, like, this can't just have, like, a normal apartment. In an 80s movie, they always have to have some weird <laughs> setup. But it's like the loft of a barn has been converted into, like, a little studio apartment. And it's actually pretty cool when I'm, like, looking at it. And then he's like, mm -hmm. he like this guy he's never met before is like, well, I don't really rent it out for the money. You know, I'd let you stay there for free, but uh, probably charge you like a hundred bucks a month or something just for the sake of it. I was like, what do you, why did you put an ad in the paper that you have something for rent? <laughs> if you don't want to pay charge money for it, like, like who fixes up the, yeah. the loft of their barn into an apartment just to let people stay in for free. That doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but that's the I kind mean, of movie we're dealing with. The the biggest thing I always remember about this movie is that you've got Sam Elliott playing the most not Sam Elliott character of his entire filmography, right. I think. It's a surprising and, good performance. And walking around with his gray hair that is like, I, I don't know, styled like a fucking Vidal Sassoon commercial. You know what I mean? He's got the silkiest, shiniest, flowy locks. I think that's just his natural hair. He just washed it in this movie. Mm. I, well, it's interesting you say that because I read that he almost didn't take this movie because he felt that the character was too close to the character he played in Mask before this. That's funny. Which is weird. I mean, him playing a badass isn't so much out of character. 
but he's mm-hmm. so I don't know, he's so genuinely soft spoken and not uh rumbly stoic soft spoken. Does that make sense? Those are two yeah. different things. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. Also, he's the only one that like dresses remotely approaching good in this movie. He's just wearing like jeans and like button down shirt the whole movie. Everybody else is dressed so nineteen eighty nine. It's annoying. <laughs> like those like big pants that I'm like, what is the deal with like pleated who wears just pleated pants when they're just out for a walk for the night or whatever? It's so strange. Let's be real. Let's be real. The most unrealistic thing in this movie is the fact that Kelly Lynch meets him, meets uh, Sam Elliott, mm-hmm. and doesn't immediately tell Patrick Swayze to fuck off and run off with Sam Elliott. <laughs> because even I'm just like, girl, like, fucking, like, I would run off with Sam Elliott. Like, wh- how are you picking Patrick Swayze over Sam Elliott right now? So I'm saying, Sam Elliott could just be like, you want to drink Kool-Aid out of my mustache? <laughs> be like, yes, <laughs> that, yes, I yeah, do. That whole Kelly Lynch plot line of, like, he goes to the doctor. He's a bouncer that gets in so many fights that he carries his medical records with him to save time. <laughs> and he does like the tough guy routine where he like no just put staples in me without fucking anesthetic because there's no good reason to not feel pain and then she's like yeah this is the guy i want to be with like it makes no sense whatsoever yeah the guy who has indicated that he'll be moving on soon yeah <laughs> by the way <laughs> yeah once i get the bar settled i'm out of here <laughs> but then at the end she's like happy to be with him because he's killed so many people at that point that he's earned her respect <laughs> Well, yeah, because kill, considering... kill one guy, it's terrifying, and she has to leave. Kill fifteen yeah. guys. <laughs> she tears that one dude, or he tears that one dude's throat out, and she like, it's like, are you serious? And almost just like stomps away, like mad. Huh? But yeah, it kills like a whole army of people. She's like, well, he's a protector. <laughs> I just it, it, once again, this this movie falls into one of the the same thing we talked about this last week of my. My weird thing of Patrick Swayze is ripped like Jesus, but he is not intimidating ever. Well, okay, but in this movie, he's not supposed to be, right? Like, they keep making jokes about how he's smaller than people think, and the whole idea is people keep uh, thinking they can take him because they're all bigger and tougher than him, but he's trained and all that, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know. There, I mean, there was... There was one part where, so he's fighting the other Kung Fu dude on the beach that he rips his throat out. Yeah. And watching that, I was like, Jesus Christ. The way Patrick Swayze moves, it he always looks like a dancer. Yeah. Like, yeah. even whenever he's supposed to be kicking people and stuff. that I don't know, the way he throws his body, it looks more like ballet than violence. I, I tend to agree. Yeah. And, and so I was watching that fight scene and I was like, Jesus, the homoeroticism in this fight scene is like <laughs> palpable. And then that dude throws in the line of, I used to fuck people like you in prison. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, is it intentional? Is, is this supposed to be a weird gay <laughs> metaphor? Is there, is, is, am I missing this? Is this, is, is this an LBTQ movie? Like, is, is it, that what's going on? It would be an anti LGBTQ movie because it's like, as soon as they realize they're gay, one guy murders the other one. <laughs> Right, 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 right. How dare, how dare you point out my masculine sexuality? Yeah, throat rip. I feel like the funny thing I, is, I feel like everything you're saying, Brian already covered with saying it was the '80s. I think that's 
The funny thing is, I read apparently that dude brought his mom as his date for the premiere. And in the middle, like, you know, and that scene comes up and he's like, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Apparently she stood up in the middle of the theater and she's like, that's my boy. And just like started, started cheering for him or whatever. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty fucking great. <laughs> Apparently he also, that dude also hit Patrick Swayze with a log during their fight. Oh, yeah. Just... He thought it was a, like a gimmicked log and it wasn't. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh that's, that's even more fun fact. Yeah. Another problem with this movie is uh, this movie is supposed to, it loses some realism in the idea that Patrick Swayze could ever take Terry Funk in a fucking fight. <laughs> I don't give I don't give a fuck how ripped Swayze is. Terry uh, Funk would destroy him. That's just how, you're not wrong. That's how good an actor Terry is. That's so much. That's just Terry <laughs> Funk doing what Terry Funk does. He's giving back to the business and making the star look good. He's putting Patrick Swayze over. Yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there is one extremely realistic element of this film. You guys noticed it, uh, but they go through and they're as they're talking. It's revealed that Patrick Swayze has a degree in philosophy. And yet he just works at bars. So that that, that checks. <laughs> well, don't you don't you know he has to he has to work in bars and stuff and travel from town to town because at one point uh he almost went to prison for killing guy for yeah. ripping his throat out. Yeah. I feel like this should be uh should be like an eighties like uh drama where like some some police officers after him. He's like, but it was self-defense, but they don't know that. So he's going city to city helping people. Every city, he has to go yeah. clean up a new bar every week. Yep. yep. Tuesdays, eight Dalton goes into a new bar and cleans it up by the end of the week. <laughs> yep. And there's some cop that's always just, just too far behind to, to finally catch him. See, it's perfect. I don't know. That seems a little bit unrealistic because a cop wouldn't have that kind of uh, time to travel like that. So it would be an investigative reporter chasing him around the country, I think. No, yeah, maybe. Uh, by the way, they are doing a remake. I don't know if you guys know this. I don't understand how you're going to remake this movie. Especially with Jake Gyllenhaal? That makes no sense. I don't me. have a problem with Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, he's a good actor. I can see it. I like Jake Gyllenhaal as this character. I don't know. I, don't, I assume it's going to be, like, very different. It has to be different tonally. You can't try to match this. Well, apparently he's like a UFC fighter or something. So I'm wondering if like the the incident that sends him away from UFC fighting is he kills somebody in the ring or something. See, there's a movie to, there. I just don't know why you'd call it Roadhouse. Like that's the problem. Yeah. Once if you um, take away the element of he's working at like a nightclub keeping the peace, and then some guy flies in from another city <laughs> to fucking and takes a limo to his fucking. By the way, this guy that runs a little bar in some small town outside Kansas City flies to wherever Swayze is, takes a limo to his bar, pays him $5,000 up front and $500 a night. Let's get that back on the record. To clean Plus up, medical expenses. To clean up this shitty little bar that probably makes like $17 a night. I don't understand what... I don't... See, but once again, they're implying there's so much more money than that. Because there's that scene where they're showing the waitresses collecting the payments from the tables and they're throwing stacks of hundred dollar bills yeah, like, for like what? what the fuck what the for fuck fucking... are, are these places it's Bud- not even a Budweiser's and fucking shitty fucking whiskey like it's not in the same house band every night 
Well, that's a whole other weird thing. Where like the, the same other- house band who's the lead singer is he supposed to be handicapped? He's supposed he's supposed to be blind, and apparently he's blind in real yeah, life. He's blind in okay, real life. blind. He's that see yeah. that makes way more sense because I don't think they drew attention to it in the movie. No, at at the time when this movie came out, people who saw this in theaters would have known who that was, and like he's not. He, what's his name? Jeff Healy. He's he was yeah. he's very famously blind guitar player singer. So the fact that he's in the movie, like that's probably his real band. I'm assuming, and that they just mm-hmm. at the time he would have been well known. They wouldn't have needed to point it out. I kept saying because he keeps the the way he keeps kept talking, and he would always look off to the side or something. And I was like, yeah. "What the fuck is going on right now?" It didn't occur to me that you guys didn't know who that was, so I can understand how that might be confusing. I didn't know who he was, but I did. I did catch the reference the first time him and Dalton meet that he is blind. Like I picked yeah. up on that right away. Well, cause Dalton sneaks up on him by walking straight towards him. Like, yeah. Yeah. He tells everybody to shush like, Oh, yeah. shush. Don't, don't say anything. But it's another weird element to this film, which is that they play the same bar every night. And yet mm-hmm. they're also a traveling band that has worked with Dalton before in other cities. I yeah. don't, I don't know how that works. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah it makes no sense it's worth pointing out that uh dalton as a famous bouncer is not a unique thing though right because like when the guy first shows up to hire him he's like we need the best and he's like i'm not the best this other guy's the best and he's like oh well that guy's getting old and it's like so everyone knows all these different bouncers knows like their stats and their age and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and then when uh sam Elliott shows up they say his name and everybody's like whoa yeah. Well, it keeps happening when Dalton shows up. Like all the waitress, like it's not just like upper management that keeps track of employees. It's like all the waitresses, and some of the st- like staff and fucking customers know who this famous bouncer is. It's <laughs> because <laughs> he's the best. Doug. He's not the best, Sam Elliott. Well, I guess he's the best now because Sam Elliott dies in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I love how yeah. I love I love how quickly everything escalates in this movie because he's like he's going into that auto parts because he buys that shitty car so that mm-hmm. when the customers trash it he can just you know replace the tires and move on with his night kind of thing and not worry about his nice car getting trashed and then he becomes friends with the guy at the auto parts store and then eventually they just burn down the auto parts store and it's not really explained what the story is there <laughs> well everybody's got to pay into to this this fund, yeah, like the, the legalized racketeering gig that they've got going on, yeah. yeah. And Red apparently either was too broke or decided to stop. Apparently, I like. Let's see, that's so, it's the word apparently in that sentence that makes me think the movie didn't do a great job explaining it. No, I mean I kind of picked up on it. I mean, there's lots of just you know those big stupid fucking meathead guys showing up, be like, "This is a nice hardware store. It'd be a shame if something happened to it." Yeah, yeah. Like that, it literally happened. But I mean, that literally happened. It's, but it, like it's talk about the, it's weird because the implication is that somehow Dalton's presence is causing all of these other people to stand up to that guy that runs the town, and mm-hmm. I'm like I don't know I don't see that like again where if a bouncer shows up and starts trying to make the local pub a little nicer, then other people will stand up to mobsters. That's <laughs> is, is that what's implied in this movie? Because first Red gets his auto parts store burned down, and then like the car dealership, they like trash that. So I assume that they also stopped paying into the fund. Mm-hmm. Like I, again, proving it was nineteen eighty whatever, 
Because they use a monster truck to run over all the cars. No, you know what makes this so 1980s is when the guy's like throwing his fit. He's like, you owe me this money. Like, I made this town. I brought 7-Eleven here, and now JCPenney is coming here because of me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you really think that that the whole town owes you 10% of every business because you're bringing JCPenney to town? That's a big deal. Which that guy is like the most non-intimidating bad guy ever. Oh, when him and like Dalton end up like trading blows, I'm like, this is that. This is too much. Yeah, right. Like the idea of maybe like, he gets the jump on Dalton with a gun, I can kind of see. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, but like Dalton shows up to his compound, it just like murders every single one of like his bodyguards, and he comes waltzing in with his gun, and he's just like, huh, well. All right, I guess. It just decides he's going to take him on. I'm like, no way. You would have been pissing your pants running out, jumping on a plane. There is one flaw in what you said there. Dalton doesn't kill everybody. That one big fat guy, he just drops a bear on his head. Uh, (laughs) And leaves him laying there for the rest of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's trapped under a fucking polar bear for the rest of the entire climax of the film. (laughs) Some people say he's there to this day. (laughs) Yeah, oh, fucking showing up in his trophy room, and the whole thing's just filled with dead animals that we're presuming that he killed. Are we? I just presumed he bought them. No. Well, there's a bunch of pictures on the wall of him like doing the hunter pose oh, with stuff. Okay, then yeah. So I assumed that he killed everything. He's one of those asshole trophy hunters that like yeah goes somewhere where the animals can all, are caged in and then probably shoots what? them with the help of a guide and then acts like he did something. What they so really fuck, fuck you, polar bear. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not wrong at all like that whole concept is just ridiculous and then uh all those other fucking dudes show up and just start shooting them yeah. and it's like why didn't we do this like an hour ago i like the idea of when dalton goes in to fight him the rest of the town decides okay if he can stand up to him so can we and they all come in like that's a, a cheesy 80s movie concept yeah it's just it's I don't know. I find it very, the, the way it's executed is like, I don't understand why things ex- escalated so quickly. And I don't understand why this town decided that because the bar was a little nicer, they were going to not, uh, they not pay their fees to the local mobster. Mm-hmm. And none of that makes any sense to me. They're like, look, the bar is better. Everybody stop paying. Yeah. It's a little strange. <laughs> I was going to point out how, um, the bad guy's not very smart because so, the the old dude that Dalton's renting his room from, his house explodes. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious that uh, the bad guy's hench, main henchman did it because he's riding away on a four-wheeler mm-hmm. like five minutes after it blew up. Well, he didn't but, want to take a car because it's just the other side of the lake. They happen to live directly across the lake from each that's other. That's true. Uh, but um, so him and Dalton get into a fight on the riverbank, as we talked about, and then Dalton rips his throat out. And then he just drags him out into the lake and he's like yelling at the bad guy and just shoves the body so it'll float over to his side. Why, if that guy owns the cops, why would he not just call them and be like, hey, I just saw that new bouncer guy kill somebody. Maybe come arrest him. Listen, you're really nitpicking now. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You were wrong when you said that guy's not very smart. That guy's bringing JCPenney to town. How can he not be smart? <laughs> Well, you got me on that point. 
But then, yeah, all these dudes show up and like murder him with shotguns. Yeah. And the police show up and everybody, everybody's standing around the body they just killed. And everybody's like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see nothing. It's like, you know, they can arrest all of you, right? Like they don't, they're not just going to pick one of you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's Israel 80s movie logic. But the oh, idea, totally. Totally. The idea that if you just, yeah, if you just kill the bad guy and if everybody just goes, nah, we're not telling anyone, that somehow you'll all just get away with it. Like, the, there will be yeah. no further investigation. Well, none of them want to talk. Like, it's, yeah, there's a what, body there and a bunch of people holding guns. I mean, you can probably piece two and two together. I'm sure the cops know a little bit how to handle that. Yeah, what about all the, uh, the henchmen that are dead upstairs? Yeah, like, eventually somebody's probably going to look into it. <laughs> but that's nah, okay by the end i don't know are we to assume dalton is sticking around she seemed what's her face seemed way too happy with it yeah i i don't know what the ending of this movie is like at the end he's just like he's just like banging her but is he like is he gonna just live in that town now and be the bouncer at that bar now i don't know are they just gonna keep paying him 500 dollars a night forever <laughs> like look you gotta move on son this is not what we agreed to. Yeah, at all. I mean, like, let's be honest. If you could find a bar that would let you be the bouncer for $500 a night, sure, move to that town. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> You're $500 a night to be the bouncer, and the bad guy in town's gone, and everyone gives you credit for it, so you're like a local hero, plus your rent is $100 a month. Like, yeah, that's the dream, right? <laughs> the other guy's like, son, my house blew up. I may have to start charging more. He's like... No, we agreed on $100. Had a handshake deal. I helped you with your horses that time. <laughs> you see what I did to that guy across the lake? I'll do it to you, too. <laughs> so apparently they didn't make a direct-to-video sequel to this. They did. Yeah. Originally, Swayze, Swayze was going to be in it, apparently. Really? And then he died, so they just made it some unrelated thing. Okay. <sighs> apparently i somehow like we're doing a patrick swayze month i'm still not sure how this happened but <laughs> but like so i was reading up on it and apparently he actually does like show up as a dance teacher in the dirty dancing directed video sequel yeah i knew that I, i'm not sure if he's that. playing the same character or not but yeah i'm sure he did something like yeah you guys make sure you enjoy this time because you might have the time of your life and then look into the camera winks <laughs> And walks off. I hope so. Yeah. So for the sequel, he'd be like, yeah, you just got to learn to really defend yourself. And if you get in trouble, just rip their throat out. It'll really take their breath away. And then he looks into the camera, winks, <laughs> walks off. I mean, pretty much just writes itself. Kind of a no-brainer when you think about it. He should have shown up. Oh, but he was dead. Uh, he should have shown up in the Point Break remake and just, you know. No, he shouldn't have. <laughs> Fuck that porn break. It's a ride of a lifetime. Winks walks off. Let's see? He just walks on screen and he goes, I didn't die at the end of point break. <laughs> <laughs> Looks into the camera, shushes the audience, and then just walks off. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch since last time? Did you watch anything on vacation, Noah? Uh, I watched a couple things on my plane ride. Oh, yeah? Uh, so, first of all, I'm caught up to Ahsoka, except for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Me too. In so, which, it's okay. That's about where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched Mandalorian Season 3, finally, which I kept putting off. Mm-hmm. Because I per- I didn't particularly enjoy the second season all that much. Man, Season 3 was real fucking good. It's real fun, right? <laughs> I, I, I actually, I would argue Season 3 is probably closer to what I wanted the show to be than the other two. Yeah, lots of Mandalorian action. Right. Right, and it digs deeper and deeper into, like, the story of the Mandalorians and Mandalorian lore yeah. and their societies and all that. And I was like, yeah, this is this is what this is supposed to be. How did we get distracted in season two with all that other bullshit? What about, uh, did Groku feel really forced in, though? That's what I felt about season three. It's like, they just, every episode, he's just like, I have this big adventure to go on. Here, you hold Grogu while I go. <laughs> Yeah, I think as it keeps going, I I think more and more they're going to have to admit that they fucked up with Grogu. Like, uh, the little baby Jedi just is nothing but a fucking never-ending joke. No, but the thing is, like, that that's just classic studio interference, okay? Because, like... They should have had him go off with Luke. That should have been the end of Grogu's story in this series, and then they can continue it later if they yeah. want somewhere else. But then the Mandalorian, the show was supposed to be the Mandalorian. It should have been about about him going on his next adventure. The next season should have been something different. And when they forced him to keep it in there, it's like they fucked it up. Yeah, they didn't even and, wait for season three of the Mandalorian. They did it in the Boba Fett show. Well, yeah. see, I'm even okay. I'm okay with Grogu staying, but how about? I mean, during season two, he starts talking. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you can stop with just the, oh, he's a baby. And it's like, yeah, but he's clearly not a baby. Because when they need it not to be a baby, he just all of a sudden becomes completely competent. Yeah, I don't know. Again, like the the problem is that the marketing keeps creeping into the creative. And that's where it's always fucks everything up. Yeah, because I mean, do we almost feel like... Yeah, they sent he sent him off at the end of season two, and Favro and Filoni was like, "Well, we did it, guys. We told a pretty good story." Yeah. And then you know, someone from Disney was like, "Do you know how much Grogu shit we sell? We could not have Grogu sitting on the sidelines for season three. It's exactly you get the fucking Mandalorian into the book of Boba Fett, and you bring Grogu back." Yeah, yeah like well, there was talk that Favro even considered not doing season three after they stuck Grogu back in during Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, I think my biggest, and I suppose this isn't a complaint, but I thought, especially the first season was incredibly well written. And 
this one, there's the episode where uh, Jen gets captured by the weird thing underneath the surface of Mandalore. Yeah. And while I was watching it, there's the whole part where it disarms him and then Bo-Katan comes in and saves him. And at the end of that episode, I went, well, what are they doing? That just, that instantly solves their issue of Bo-Katan needing the Darksaber because he, it's hers now. That thing took it and she, and she took it. So it's hers. You're ahead of him, Noah. Well, yeah, no, that's what I was saying. And, and then like two more episodes pass and I was like, what the fuck are they doing? All of this is resolved already. And then they get to the last episode where he makes the big speech in front of everybody. And I was like, why did they do it this way? This was all completely fucking unnecessary. And it's bad writing. It's, I think it's made for a stupider audience. Like everything you're saying is correct, except I think that quite frankly, there is a lot of people out there who would have never have seen that ending coming. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose. I just, I don't fucking, I don't. It was strange. Well, and the fact that, you know, whenever she picked it up to fight that thing, she was able to whip it around and not drag it across the ground like Jen does every time he's trying to use it. Yeah. But I don't I don't know. I just I was a little disappointed with that. I was like, this is not it's just not smart writing. And one of the things I liked about the first season was it was kind of clever. Well, do they end up together in front of that whole group? Before that last episode, which I mean, they could just write up a scene where that happens, but well, no, but they don't need to be. She could just walk up with the dark saber and be like, he was disarmed. I defeated the thing. I took this. Yeah. I'm just, I think they wanted the big old speech from him and transition, whatever. Yeah, I suppose to, but I mean, they could have done that way sooner, but it doesn't matter. What'd you think of uh, Jack Black and Lizzo? I thought that that was the worst fucking episode of the whole thing. <laughs> and I, I don't it. I don't understand why people were jerking off to it. I like the uh the sort of uh, investigative nature where they're trying to figure out where these how these bots are sort of killing people or whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah, I, I yeah, I suppose those bits were fine and I thought I, I actually really enjoyed Christopher Lloyd's character for the fact that he had three fucking lines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jack Black and Lizzo is, like, not needed. It's, like, fine, whatever. I, d- I just okay. remember whenever it happened, everybody was talking about it being like, oh, this is the best, this is what Star Wars should be, and I'm like, what are, what the fuck was everyone talking about? You're listening to norm- normie audiences again. That's the yeah. problem. That's yeah. what, like, all your complaints about the show are normal people watch the show, too. Well, yeah, I, was, I, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I did see people say tonight's Ahsoka is what... Everybody loves about Star Wars, so yeah, it means it's going to be garbage. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I'll, t- I'll tell you what the thing because it's it started to happen already with Ahsoka. I think I figured out that I have no, I no longer have interest in the fucking Jedi. Yeah, I just don't like all the joy and interest and mystique about the Jedi have been ruined by all the rest of the Star Wars crap that's been cranked out. Which I think is why I like learning about the Mandalorians. It's like, yeah, give me d- this. It's in the same setting. I enjoy it. Fuck, fuck all the Jedi nonsense. Give me this. Yeah, I mean, there's an element of truth to the fact that all the Star Wars stuff that was special, part of it was that it was mysterious, and also part of it was that originally they put out three good movies, and <laughs> they've put out shit in between. Let's be honest, right? Well, well, and the fact that the force was just like it was just enough to give you an edge over an opponent. Yeah, 
And that's been ruined by the power creep stuff. Like I was talking about in fucking uh, Kenobi with the fucking throwing 5 million tons of rocks. It's like, well, if Jedi can do that, then there's no fucking point to any of the other stuff they're doing. Because they could just throw 5 million tons of rocks at things. I don't know. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. The I more, mean, the I, more I, power I they have, the less interesting they are. But you have to also remember it's a fantasy universe, so I don't know. Well, like ma- you also magic, gotta remember magic is rarely consistent yeah. throughout storytelling. Right? I'm, I mean, correct. There, there's a reason why Gandalf has to disappear for three quarters of the yeah. <laughs> the fucking series of books because if he was around, he can solve every problem because he has magic. Yeah. It is weird because we were like. When uh, Force Awakens came out, like, I don't know, maybe you guys weren't, but people seem to be really impressed with uh, Kylo Ren. He's able to capture that laser bolt in midair and just have it hang there. Everybody's like, whoa, this guy's a badass. And now we watch, like, fucking Rey or even Darth Vader, like, grab a whole ship out of the sky and pull it back down to the planet's surface. So it's kind of like, well, maybe everybody's doing too much nowadays. Right. And so, and arguably in the, uh, the last episode of this season, when they finally have their confrontation with, uh, uh, God damn it. What's the character's name? John, John Carlo Esposito's character. Um, Moff Gideon. Yeah. Moff Gideon. How fucking great of a fucking bad guy is he? I'm, he's he's just he's intimidating he's scary and guess what he doesn't have super fucking magic powers yeah agreed yeah so so anyways like i said I, I i still think even with those complaints it's still the best i think it's it's possibly the best of the three seasons season one is probably still better but that's because of the uh the simpler nature of the storytelling i think How'd you feel about R5 getting a redemption arc? Oh, yeah. Yeah, R5 was dope. Yeah, you got to be a badass. Uh, And then, uh, so the third thing I watched, because I got up one morning and my entire family was sleeping, so I started binging a show. I watched the interview with the Vampire TV series Mm. that they did. I'm curious about that. Didn't know that existed. I have, so I, I have really interesting feelings about it so i don't i have some complaints about that book series to begin with because Anne rice is uh i don't i don't know how to explain it she's like limited in the way she does things all for all for characters can be a little sameish. they're all kind of the same ooh ah white people mm-hmm. and this version they did an so they did a couple interesting things. So part of the idea of the TV series is that this is not the original interview. Okay. So, so, you know, he, uh, Louis and, uh, oh, I can't remember that fucking character's name, but Louis and the, the reporter guy sat down and do the, the interview. And that's the first book of him telling his story. This one, the premise is that already happened. And that happened when the books were written, whatever, you know, like uh, 
30 years ago, or I, I can't remember exactly when. I think, I think they started getting written in the 80s or 90s. So this is modern day. So it's kind of set during COVID and stuff. And Louis has talked this guy into coming and interviewing him again because he wants to correct some of the things that he told him. And they made they made a few major changes to the characters. Number one, Louis is now black, uh, and and Louis and Lestat are overtly homosexual. Yeah. Which that that's not actually that big of a change because a lot of the homosexuality of the vampires is kind of implied in the books. It's just never expressly talked about. But. It's I don't know, it's really cool. So they so they modernized the the stuff that's set now and they kind of I don't know, it, it's it's hard to explain. They they both are extremely faithful to the book and take a lot of liberties at the same time. But the violence <laughs> is much more violent than I thought it was gonna be. So there's some there's like some gore. There's literally a part where Lestat punches his fist through a guy's head. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Uh, and there's some tits and stuff, which I really wasn't expecting, but I guess it was done for AMC Plus, not for regular television. Um, no, it premiered on regular AMC, but is that right? Because there's there's quite a bit of nudity and yeah, maybe they because uh, I didn't watch it. Um, I was interested in it, but you know, I was getting in the middle of getting a divorce, so I didn't really sit down to watch it every week. Um, and I don't know, maybe they promoted it. Like you could watch the uncensored version on AMC plus or something. Okay. I was, I'll tell you, I think the thing I was most impressed with is they really gave it room to breathe. So I figured season one was going to make it all the way through the first book and it does not like not even close. It goes from, have you guys read the books or seen the original movie or anything? Seen half of the original movie. Never really. Yeah, I've seen the original movie, but it's been a while. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming you watched the original movie far enough that you got to the point where uh, Claudia, the little girl vampire, and Louis kind of turn on Lestat and attempt to kill him, and then they run off to Europe. Uh, I mean, maybe. No. This, this was like 20 years ago when I watched it. So. Yeah, it's about. It's literally about a third of the way into the movie. So it's it's a very short, but that's all the first season is. It goes up to that point. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know who the actor is that plays Lestat, but man, I really really like him. He gives a great performance. The dude that plays Louis is good too, but I thought the guy who plays Lestat kind of did it very well. There is one of the interesting, they, like I said, they change a couple random things, like part of Louis's character, and it explains a whole lot of the inconsistencies from the first book to the second book, is that he can't read people's minds. He actually, he's kind of a really shit weak vampire, and he doesn't have a lot of vampire powers. But in this one, they kind of make louis stronger and he can do all this stuff and it's like yeah but now none of this makes sense and they kind of make lestat out to be a much eviler character than he's taken on i mean he's he's represented pretty badly in the first book but then he's kind of redeemed in the subsequent books 
but I don't, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's interesting the things that they changed because I think they wanted to make it more about the idea that, uh, Lestat is kind of an abuser. So he is taking advantage of Louis and controlling him. And it's kind of a one-sided relationship and all that kind of stuff. But it's really, it was really good. Nice. Was that it? Uh, and that's it. I didn't have time to watch anything else. Oh, no. No, actually, I take that back because my parents had me watch two movies. I watched uh, Vacation Friends and Vacation Friends 2. <laughs> okay. Have you guys seen those? You when you come down, or they're like, our vacation friends are here. Uh, no. Have, have you guys seen those? They're Netflix movies. I, I haven't seen them. Or Hulu, I, I guess. I know. I know what they are. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ! They are funny as hell. Fucking John Cena is so out of control in these fucking movies. That dude has got such great fucking timing. I don't, it's it's basically the whole movies are about this black couple meet this white couple while they're on vacation and end up becoming for, like you know vacation friends. They have a temporarily kind of relationship, but they get kind of close. And John Cena's character gets kind of clingy and thinks that he's this guy's best friend. And then they go back home to get married, and of course, then these people show up. But. I it's it's I don't I don't know how to explain how crazy they are. At one point they're sitting there and they're like, Hey, do you guys want a margarita? And they're like, Yeah, sure. And he they're drinking this margarita and he goes, That's weird. This margarita salt isn't very salty. And she goes, Yeah, that's because it's cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> They've rimmed all the glasses with cocaine. <laughs> and one of the girl, I can't remember what that actress names, but uh John John Cena's wife in the movie, she has this, her favorite thing is in the airport shouting crazy things about people. So they're at one point, somebody's walking off. She's like, arrest that man. He's a pedophile and he has anthrax. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's basically just a, a situational comedy that's about friends and how crazy these people are and of, of course over time you find out that john cena's character has basically ptsd one of his best friends died in the service and now he's this dude with too much money and he's for some reason he's stupid rich and he's a park ranger <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, they ne- yeah they never really explain that yeah, so those two things don't go together but yeah, yeah. Of course, by the end of the movie, you find out that they're you know they're genuinely good people and have done nothing but try to help this other couple, even though they're also psychopaths and are constantly dragging them into crazy shenanigans. But uh, they're they're worth a watch. I recommend them. I think it's funny they style John Cena's hair all crazy. It's oh, especially all... the second one. He looks like he's methed out. Yeah, it's all like spiked up and stuff. It's just funny because in real life he's uh, losing his hair. And wrestling fans like pointing it out to him all the time. Which is very nice of wrestling fans to like. Right? He's getting a big old bald spot in the back, so. But yeah, that's that's it. That's, that's all I watch. What'd you watch, Doug? Um, I don't have that much stuff. I watched the movie Graduation Day from 1981. Oh, yeah, you did. Trampoline uh, fencing? That movie sucks, man. <laughs> it's not uh, super great. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's... It's not like not there's not really anything fun in it at all. I don't know. 
I don't know if they're trying to be funny and they fail at it, or if they're trying to be serious and they fail at it so badly that I think they're trying to be funny. One of those two things happens. Yeah. The kills aren't great. There's, I don't know, there's like, and they do this bullshit thing where it's like, they tell you who the killer is at the beginning of the movie. And then like halfway through the movie, if you've seen enough slashers, you realize, oh shit, that's not going to be the killer. They think they're being clever by doing a twist, but that's not, that's not what clever means. They're just doing it wrong. And I just did. It was really disappointing. I don't know. Yeah. Unfortunately I found like a big run of those specifically school themed one, like graduation day, um, final exam and night school. Okay. From I remember all three of those ended up not being great. Yeah. I think there's a chance that I've just seen all of the good slashers from the eighties now. And like, yeah. I keep looking for more and I'm just down to the ones that there's a reason why Like I never saw them. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's a reason why these weren't popular enough for me to track down 25 years ago. Um, so yeah, I don't really have much to say about it. The movie was stupid and I didn't enjoy it and I'm sorry I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> now don't hold back to us. How do you yeah. really feel about it? It's just, I don't know. It's enough of that. Um, I did have a cool experience. I went and saw the Shawshank Redemption, but it was screened inside the walls of a prison, which was yeah. a pretty fun experience. Um, I don't know. There's not much left to say about the movie. I, everyone what? Has, Shawshank Redemption's good? Yeah, I, I think it's a great film. Uh, if anyone wants to disagree, that's fine. I'm sure everyone has an established opinion about it. I don't feel like it's... I feel like it's been talked about enough, but the experience of seeing it in a prison was pretty cool. Like in, it was like a, an outdoor screen set up in like the courtyard. It truly was a Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> also, old prisons creep me out. I wandered off on like on my own in this place because there was like signs telling you where you weren't allowed to go, and I like decided, hey, there's no sign over there. I'll wander off there. And I'm like, eh, it's kind of weird when you're alone in a dark place and everywhere you look, you see barbed wire and stuff. Glad I never went to prison. It seems like it'd be very unpleasant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that experience. It was neat. <laughs> I liked doing it, but um, yeah, I, yeah. Shaw, Shaw, yes. I feel the Shawshank Redemption is a good story about hope, and I feel that uh, the performances are quite good in it. I don't know. This is if anyone's getting upset here, hearing me say these controversial things, I apologize. <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, with Cindy, who was with my girlfriend, and I was like, oh, fucking look at this. Doug went and saw Shawshank Redemption in an actual prison. She's like, oh, that seems kind of stellar. I'm like, that is stellar. That's bullshit. Why is he going? Yeah, I, uh, oh, it, was, it was really cool. We have this, we have this like, old prison here. It's like the oldest, most infamous prison in all of Canada, and then like it got shut down basically for political reasons a bunch of years ago. But it's so historic that they can't like sell it off or tear it down or anything. <laughs> Yeah. So now it's become like a tourist trap. They do they film with some stuff there, and they apparently show movies there now, and you can go to tours of it. They're doing like a pumpkin thing. Um, Are they going to show Blues Brothers there? Because that would be pretty fantastic. That would be pretty fun. I don't know. And then, yeah, I don't know. They're doing like this, they call it Pumpkin Inferno, which is a bunch of fake pumpkins lit up. Like doing that for Halloween, so I'll probably go back for that. But nice. It's kind of a neat environment to have, but it's also... I don't know. It's, it's annoying. <laughs> it's, cause it's, it's a beautiful piece of property around the waterfront. I'm like, ah, you could probably convert part of this into like some condos or something instead of our government paying to keep this around just as a tourist trap. <laughs> but um, I don't know. You guys want to know if I watched anything else? Is that your next question? Yeah. 
I, the only other thing I watched was the new season of uh, What We Do in the Shadows, which was... The newest season? I believe so. Season five? Yeah. It's only like five episodes. Is nope. that right? No? Okay. Nope. It's I like watched... a full 12. Oh, so I watched the first five. Or 10, I that's mean. all that came available to me. Disney Plus is fucking with my head. God damn it. All right. Well, I watched the first half of the new season of What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> um, and now I'm excited because I'm going to get to watch more. Because it was fucking yeah. great, uh, it's so funny. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the uh, the gay pride parade one was just <laughs> I, I just couldn't stop laughing. For some reason, I love that the neighbor Sean has become more of a character. I don't know. I find right. it, like, he's just like the typical Staten Island stereotype guy, but it's funny to have him in the show interacting with these guys and not knowing that they're vampires. Yeah, for some reason, like they're like very Victorian presence and he's just not catching on whatsoever doesn't care it feels like part of the joke is that people from Staten island are dumb but i don't i don't know if that's a stereotype of those guys or not (laughs) oh yeah and the whole storyline with guillermo trying to become a real vampire is very funny to me (laughs) i I just like the the actual incident of him trying to pull it off and then all the follow-up is really funny so i'm i'm excited Uh, now that i'm gonna get to watch more uh, I think it was in the first five that Colin Robinson runs for office. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah, I fucking died during that episode. When he's given his speech about wanting to be a comptroller, I was like, I could feel the energy draining from me. I'm like, oh my god, this is working. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's doing a really good job as an energy vampire here because I am fucking getting sucked in. Oh my god, yeah. the council, the council of energy vampires is one of the funniest fucking things. <laughs> oh my god. You're- your mic, your microphone's not working. Could could somebody tell her that her microphone's not working? <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, so good. It, it took me a minute to realize I wasn't in an actual Zoom call for work, and that it was actually a TV show I was watching. Because I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is normal behavior." And they're like, "Oh no, they're being funny. My mistake." <laughs> uh, yeah, Samantha Bayer comes back as the other is the emotional vampire. Yeah, she's fucking great. God, I love that show so much. It's so funny. When she ends up like stealing his spot, he's like devastated. And it's like, yep, that's how did you not see that coming? She's an emotional <laughs> vampire. That's what she does. <laughs> what about uh, what about the episode where Nadja and Doll Nadja trade bodies? For a little <laughs> the, bit? the doll keeps <laughs> wanting to bang Alan Robinson. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. You can see, he said, as it turns out, I'm only interested in her when she's in the doll body. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The show's too good. Yeah. It's too good. It's, did you get have to, to go on forever. Did you get to the I don't think it's in the first five where they go to the the mansion? They're invited to the mansion and it's kind of like a weird mystery house thing. No, I don't I don't think I've seen that one. No. Okay. But there's there's a joke in that one where Colin Robinson's fucking mustache keeps changing throughout the episode. And I don't know why, and it's I don't think they ever explain it, but it's a really fucking funny. Oh, he just keeps shaving it because he mentions like, "Do you have a mustache?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I have to shave like three times a day." And, he, and then he looks down, he's like, "My entire body." Oh, see, I think I missed that line because yeah. every time they keep cutting away and doing something, and they. 
they'll have a conversation and cut back to him and now he's got a mustache and a goatee and then they cut away and cut back and now he's got a long mustache that's curled on the tips <laughs> yeah he explains at the beginning of the episode that he has to sh- he has to shave three times a day that's funny uh god damn it that's i just think back to when they announced it and i was like why why even do that it's never going to be as funny as the movie and i was wrong just by sheer volume bat (laughs) you guys don't get upset if you hear my tv in the background i'm just checking if there's ways where i can watch more episodes (laughs) 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 just had a new idea i'm like wait a minute maybe maybe You've Um, grown soft and weak, consorting with humans. (laughs) Hey, that's Scott. Okay, I was out of line. I'm sorry, Scott's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that episode where Nandor uh, thinks he reveals to the world that they're all uh, vampires. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's like doing the TV show interview. Oh, fuck, how good is that? Oh my god, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. When they break into the studio and they hypnotize everyone and then they're like, what do we do now? And they're like, well, there's still 20 minutes left in the news. I guess we have to do the news. (laughs) (laughs) This blood spot Uh, on the screen where they're doing the weather. Yeah, they cut to Laszlo for the sports. (laughs) He goes into full sports mode. Fuck. Uh, Jesus Christ. So good. Um oh nah, I won't bring it up. I'm gonna let it be a surprise. Alright. I think I just found a way to watch more episodes. Yeah. Through a different streaming service. So did uh did uh God, what the fuck is that dude's name? Um did the guy from Mad Men show up in one episode for you yet? I don't know what Mad Men is. Um Are you talking about John like, Hamm? No, it's not John Hamm. It's the other guy, the silver-haired guy. Played Tony Stark's dad originally in the Avengers stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I I don't think he's shown up. Okay. Then I won't say anything. There's a couple people who show up in different episodes playing themselves, and it's pretty fantastic. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's great. All right. Did you watch anything else, Tag? No, I did not. So we could just talk about this for another five hours. That's the plan, yeah. Let's just do that. Brian, I recently had a very close friend die suddenly, and it's really affected me. <laughs> <sighs> uh, you do get a uh, this fucking guy from Nandor before the season's over. Um, all right, well, the only thing I watched is uh, I went to the theater. They were having the 40th anniversary screening of Christine. Nice. Uh, enjoyed it. Still thought it was good friend of mine went he hadn't seen it in like 20 years he, he thinks he liked it less than the last time he's seen it no he's wrong he is he's like i don't know it's kind of cheese ball i was like i'll oh, shut the fuck up so if anybody's wondering the john carpenter movie of christine is still good really yeah i know it's weird it's interesting to hear you say that it's weird how all these john carpenter older movies are still really good just keep bringing out the uh controversial opinions here here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future all right doug For some reason i put you in charge of coming up with the last uh Swayze september double feature the last one eh? yeah. so i i had a crazy idea and i thought maybe for 
since it's our last week of Swayze September, let's do movies that actually belong on this podcast, that actually fit in with what we're supposed to talk about. Oh, okay. So, the uh, what appears to be a Mad Max ripoff, Steel Dawn. Oh. And the closest thing to a horror movie Patrick Swayze ever did, Donnie Darko. Mm. One of which I've never seen, and one of which I've seen once in 2001. So, so which is which? Nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm assuming you've seen Donnie Darko. That's correct. Probably <laughs> were confused by it as I was the first time I watched it. Yeah. Cellar door. That's I saw it once in 2001, so I don't know why you think I'm going to pick up on that reference. <laughs> I'm assuming that's from the it's, movie. It's one of those fucking things. So yeah, we'll get into it next week. Donnie Darko thinks it's way fucking cleverer than it is, and a whole bunch of emo chicks think Donnie Darko's way cleverer than it is. So did you used to pretend you were way smarter by saying you liked it so all the emo chicks would bang you? I don't I don't dislike it. It's it's a fine movie. Yeah. It's just not like I, I don't know, people act like it's Robocop, you know what I mean? Like, no, don't not be like it's, Robocop. It's, it's no it's no Robocop. It's never Robocop. Nothing is Robocop except for Robocop. I saw some uh YouTube video where they were talking about Robocop two. And I'm like, man, I haven't watched Robocop two in forever. Yeah, I I watched a a series of clips where they talk about two, three, and then the remake, and I was like, well, I don't need to rewatch that remake. I'm pretty sure I don't yeah. need to rewatch three, but two may, might be good. Yeah, I haven't watched two in forever. I know, you, and you definitely don't want to watch one and then two back to back. I know you <laughs> no. definitely never do that. No. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, that's why I was getting ready to say. The problem is every time I have an urge to watch two, I'm like, hmm, I better watch one first. So then I watch <laughs> one, and then I'm like, yeah, we're just gonna stop there. If you watch the first RoboCop, you're going to want to not watch anything that could remotely be compared to it. You're going to want to like go a whole other direction. Yeah, yeah I'm interested because I forgot Tom Noonan is like the bad guy in it. I'm like, I do like Tom Noonan, so yeah. maybe, oh, maybe we'll all collectively watch RoboCop two before next week. Probably not. Mm. <clears throat> all right. Does anybody else have anything else to say before we wrap it up? I forgot something about um, Roadhouse. I wanted to talk about. No, yeah. I want to know: Do you guys think that um, the studio interjected the Kelly Lynch storyline specifically because the original script had him falling in love with a brunette, and that was unacceptable in the eighties? Because there's that brunette waitress <laughs> that is like clearly into him, and she mm-hmm. keeps showing up at his house and stuff. Yeah. And at one point, she gets a whole scene where she gets to sing, and then her she just disappears from the story. So my theory is like some one of this like when the dailies went back to the the executives at the studio, they were like, "Are you gonna have him hooking up with a brunette in this movie?" And then like, what? She'll get killed, and then he'll be upset. Like, no, no, no. You find him a blonde woman. <laughs> the only blonde in the movie is the doctor. How are we gonna make the script make sense if he hooks up with the doctor? You and, uh, make it make sense. Gonna, so I think I was gonna say I don't think the problem is that she's a brunette. I think the problem would be is that she is thoroughly mediocre <laughs> well interestingly enough i read that a lot of her scenes got cut out of the movie so yeah, maybe ob- doug like, is right obviously like something was going to happen with that character because yeah. like it's so weird how how important she is for a few minutes and then she's just gone and i'm like why would you give her an entire singing thing she's the only like not singer in the movie that gets yeah. a whole song <laughs> there's obviously some sort of subplot where she wanted to sing but didn't have the courage to do so 
Maybe. But I'm sure Dalton's like, you have a wonderful voice. And she's like, oh my oh, God, I'm going to do it. That's what happened. I'm going to do it just because Dalton said so. Because Dalton changes everything in this town. <laughs> that makes as much sense as anything. Yeah. So we're all going to break up the racketeering ring and you sing at the local pub. <laughs> that's See, he fixed it all. <laughs> Superstar bouncer, Dalton. The original script mostly focused on that character, and it was a weird rednecky version of Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing like country song, like uh, like uh, fucking um, what the fuck do they call country, it? Country country battles, yeah, like like roast country country song roast on other singers. Oh my god, I think I would kind of want to watch that though. It's pretty good. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.